appreciate our discipleship group and um, diligently working to learn the foundational pieces of our doctrine and uh, trying to take them so that they can teach others. And uh, that's a little bit what we'll be talking about tonight as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll read through verses 1 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says this, Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. That's discipleship right there. Now therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Let's pray once more. Lord, we pray to you much tonight. But Lord, we recognize that without you we can do nothing. And that's why we do so. And Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, as uh, Lord, I, I seek to deliver the message tonight, I believe you have for us, I pray that you give me the right words. And my spirit be in tune with you. Lord, may you withhold anything that you not have me to say. And Lord, give me the right words in these next few moments. Be with the hearer. Lord, may they open their heart and their mind and be able to make application in the truths that will be shared tonight. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As many of you know, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy in general, is considered to be Paul's last will and testament. Paul is in prison. He's in a maritime prison in Rome. This wasn't a prison that he was planning on leaving anytime soon. In fact, he knew that Mamertine prison basically meant death row. He knew that he wasn't going to leave there with his life. And, and so he's writing a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy is a man that he picked up years ago and brought him along the way with him and traveled many missionary journeys and, and uh, finally brought him to a city of Ephesus where he began to pastor at a young age. He's writing here, and we come to the Second Timothy chapter 2 specifically, and we see that he's writing with mental pictures and physical comparison. I appreciate when the Bible does this. I don't know about you, but uh, when I'm able to see something, I'm able to learn it a little bit more. I'm able to make better application. And better, uh, I'm able to follow it a little bit better. Our Lord Jesus Christ did this many times as He compared us, that He is the vine and we are the branches. And much comparison was made there. He's also told us that we are to be salt and light. As we go forth and preach the Gospel, we are to be salt, we are to be light, we are to be different, we are to have a savor to us. He says the Christians are the sheep. My sheep hear My voice and they follow Me. He, he makes these physical things that we see each and every day and, and He compares us to them. And in doing so, we're able to find specific truth. We're able to see what the Apostle Paul is trying to say here as he's speaking to Timothy. In just a moment, I want us to see what is the Apostle Paul saying specifically? What is he trying to pass on? As this is his last will and testament, as these are the very last words that we're ever going to find from the Apostle Paul's writing, what is he trying to say? 
I don't know about you, but I think back of my life and loved ones that have passed on. And I think, what were their last words to me? I remember my grandmother, I, uh, I was probably about 15, 16 years old. My grandmother uh, had come up from Philadelphia and she visited me on my 16th birthday or 15th birthday, one of the two. And, uh, and I remember being with her and, and spending the time with her. And I, I'd spent hours with her. I loved talking to her. She was a great listener. And, and she would have story after story after story. And I remember at the end of my birthday, I remember heading to my room at my house. And my grandmother passed by me as she was going to her, her guest room. And, and I remember we never had a, a conversation like this before. And she stopped and I stopped. And she called my name and I turned around. And I said, yeah, Grandma. And she said... Andy, I want you to know that I love you. And I got a little tear in my eye, and I, I went forward, and we embraced. Turned around, and I went back in my room. Little did I know that would be the last time I ever got to see my grandmother. And I think back of all the things that she said to me. I think back of all the, the joyful times that we got to celebrate together. And she's with the Lord now, and, and boy, am I glad that she's with the Lord. But I think back at that and how that was a special time. Wow. Why? Because that was one of the last things she said to me. I think of my uncle uh, who passed away here not too long ago. And I think of uh, a long drive. I got to preach his funeral. And I talked about the journey we took together as I drove from California all the way to, to Pennsylvania. And uh, boy, was that a trek. And he has story after story, just laughing and, and, and just enjoying ourselves. And I think back with some of the truths that he shared as he was older and some of the experiences that he went through as a young man uh, lost on his way to hell, but finding uh, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who changed his life completely. And I think back of those and I cherish those times. And I almost, as I read this, I think of Timothy, wow. He receives the parchments. He receives a letter from his loved one, the Apostle Paul. Now, I believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable. All Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished in all good works. But when this is somebody's last words, I almost say, wow, is this maybe a little more elevated? Does this resonate a little bit more? Should I pay a little closer attention and cherish the truths that are being shared tonight? And so as a way of introduction, I want us to look, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son. Think about that. Timothy is receiving this. Thou therefore, my son. Think of the relationship that they had. They traveled a long time. Paul was not his physical father, but he was the father of the faith. He's taking him along the journey here. He says, my son. He's teaching him some things. I think of, uh, uh, just thinking last week as we celebrate uh, this gender reveal that we had, and it's a sobering thought to think that one day I'll have a child of my own that I'll have to raise, and I'll have to pass on truths. And I'll share some things about our family history and share, of course, uh, things that Christ has given to me and has shared with me and lessons I've learned uh, by doing good, lessons I've learned from not doing good, the hardships, the tests that have come in my life, and I, I'll pass that on to another generation. The Apostle Paul saying this, he says, hey, son, the relationship there. But look at the authority that he takes as being a, a father of the faith, my son, He's giving that next generation. You know, sometimes I think as Christians, we can get the teenager mentality. What's the teenager mentality? 
The teenager mentality is I know everything. Right? Amen? We all were there maybe at one point, right? The teenage mentality. I know it all. I got it. And you know what? I appreciate that, that Timothy didn't have that mentality. When his father of the faith was writing him, he took it and he said, what am I going to learn here? And sometimes you and all, we become teenage Christians. And that we come to church and our pastor gets behind the pulpit and we say, what is he going to tell me? They already know. Maybe I can teach him something. You know what? Shame on us when we have that, that pride in our hearts. We're not willing to listen to thus saith the Lord and give authority. I know I understand tonight. I'm, I'm probably younger, probably one of the youngest ones in here in the room tonight. I appreciate you being out, willing to listen, not slipping out during the song service when you're us preaching, right? You're here. And you know, I appreciate that. Why? Because, hey, listen, I have no authority over you, but the Word of God does. And my goal, not to give my personal opinion, it's to say, thus saith the Lord, in a spirit of love, in a spirit of humility, as I've learned, as I digest and study this passage of Scripture, I want to share it with you, and I, I want the uh, elevation of the authority to be on the Word of God. And it says, my son, may we be attentive to this. Be strong in the grace. What is Apostle Paul saying? Hey, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We can't do it in and of ourselves. We can't make it in and of ourselves. It is Christ. Uh, I think of this word grace. What does grace mean? A lot of people have defined it different ways. God's riches at Christ's expense. But I, I kind of have broken it down like this. God's given ability in spite of our inability. God's given ability in spite of our inability. Some of us, I'll do this all the time, we forget the day we got saved. We forget what it was like to be a sinner on your way to hell. You don't merit heaven on your own. It's by grace of God, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's God's given ability in spite of our inability. One of the last things that the Apostle Paul says, hey, uh, Timothy... If you're going to be a success, if you're going to take these truths, if there's something I want to pass on to you, it's don't be strong in your own self. Be strong in the grace. Be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to help you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2 says this, the next verse, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Not just any man, though. Faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know what the Apostle Paul recognized? Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. If the entire world stopped declaring the gospel, nobody would know. Nobody would hear. 100% of everybody that's sitting in this room right now that is saved on their way to heaven, you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, is going there because of somebody else. Number one, going there because Jesus Christ died for you. Number two, because somebody took the truth of the gospel and gave it to you. There's nobody that's born saved. There's nobody that just one day wakes up and says, I need to get saved. This is the day. Uh, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Be thankful for the person that came and brought that truth to you. And then be uh, pricked in your heart to go and share that with somebody else. We have our discipleship program. We talked much about it already, but the things that thou hast heard, what have you heard from the pulpit? What are you taking and sharing with your coworkers, sharing with your family, sharing with the next generation? I ask this question. 
What am I passing on? When I die, what is somebody else going to get because of me? Because of something that I learned, something that I'm passing on. So tonight, I want us to see three truths on what the Apostle Paul is saying in regards to the Christian's call. What are we called to do? What can we pass on? How can we be better Christians in the days ahead? And I want to look, starting at verse number 3, these first two verses, just introduction. But number one, if we are to be fulfilling God's call for us as Christians, we need to endure as soldiers. Endure as soldiers. Let's look at verse number 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. He may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Each and every one of us, every person in here today, when you were born, you were born into a war. You were born in a spiritual war. I think right now of those young, young people, I, I remember seeing videos just the other day over in Afghanistan and, and these, these parents are taking their kids to the fences and throwing their children over the fences to get them out. Get them out of way of the harm, of, of, uh, of the persecution, of uh, the Taliban that are making their way in. But, but can I remind all of us today, I praise God we're born in the United States of America I don't have to worry about, am I going to die by, uh, by the enemy today? We have great protection and appreciate our soldiers that are going overseas and fighting on our behalf and our intelligence agencies and all of those things. But you know what? We have to be mindful while we are in a peaceful state, while we are in the United States of America, we're still in a war. There's still a real adversary there's still things that we don't see, uh, that we take for granted. Uh, we need to endure in persecution. No man that warreth entangleth himself. Hey, be mindful of that. Every day that you live, be reminded you are in a real war against the devil. He wants nothing more than to take you down, to fall, crush your testimony, tarnish the name of Christ, get spit off on the side, and, and be nothing. Be, be nothing at all. And it's that moment when we become uh, uplifted in ourselves and we say, I can do it. I know all things. I can, I can uh, write the book on Christianity. That it's the moment that Satan sees our weaknesses. He says, hey... Uh, I know without, without God, you could do nothing. So if you stop relying on Him, if you stop relying on the grace of God, then I'm going to put you right in my crosshairs and you're my next victim. And it's at that moment where we need to see the persecution that we, that we have in our life. No man that warreth entangleth himself. I think about this verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is a real thing. This isn't, uh, this is, this isn't something that uh, is just made up. This is something we really do face. And sometimes I wish the Lord would let our eyes be open to the demonic presences and 
And those that are around us, it would maybe put a holy fear in us and, and allow us to, to pray and seek refuge in our church a little bit more and pray and seek refuge in our homes, getting out that sin, getting out the evil things, uh, not promoting Hollywood and all that, uh, that they put out and not uh, flirting with uh, the occult and all those things, putting them truly away and realizing, hey, I am a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to endure through persecution. Through persecution. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, just one chapter over, says this, verse number 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Can I ask you this question tonight? When was the last time you faced persecution for your faith? When have you faced persecution for your faith? Not for your looks, not for whatever, but specifically for your faith. Did somebody say, hey, get out of my face with that track. Don't give me that God stuff. Don't give me that Bible stuff. I don't want that. You're crazy. You believe all that? That magic, that crazy miracles? You believe that Jesus guy? And, and they, they try to, to make you and belittle you and, and come in your face and you've gone soul winning, you've had that door slammed in your face. When was the last time you have faced persecution for your faith? If you haven't faced persecution, you can't name a date. Maybe I ask this question. The byproduct of being godly is suffering persecution. So are you being all that God wants you to be are you being godly? Are you being a Christian? Are you being Christ-like? And if so, you should see persecution. You sh- it should come along your way. If you're not, perhaps this is just uh, this is uh, one of the reasons why. It says, Thou therefore endure harness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. They may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, if I were to look today and and we, we've had in history uh, people that have been traitors to our nation, traitors to uh, the military. They've been court-martialed and dishonorably discharged and all those things. Those that have uh, abandoned the battlefield. You think back, Benedict Arnold and other, other folks that uh, have, have betrayed their country and, uh, and all of those things. And we look at them and we say, wow, why would they do that? And if, I, if, I, if I'm correct in this, I, I think we look at our life and, hey, I'm telling you, we're in a real spiritual warfare. And sometimes we will go out in the world. And God calls us to endure. And the minute we start to maybe see some persecution, or the, the time we start to maybe be a little bit more different from the world, we start to get our, ourselves entangled. We start to blend in, incognito. And we just kind of put our collars up and oh, nobody knows. He knows I'm a Christian. No, I, when they asked me what I was doing on the weekend, I'm not going to say church. Oh, I'll say I just stayed home or something like that. Uh, but when was the last time, hey, we, we, we shed that stuff. We got, our, we got all that worldly stuff away. Uh, don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. When you start to sin, when you start to get involved in things you shouldn't as a Christian, it's as if I were to take my arms and my legs and I were to take a cord and just wrap it once. I sin again, and I wrap it again, and I sin, and I wrap it again, and I sin, and I wrap it again, and all of a sudden it comes to the point where I can't even move. 
I'm in complete bondage. I'm in complete uh, uncontrol. I can't run when I need to run. I can't flee when I need to flee. I can't fight with my hands when I need to fight. Why? Because I've entangled myself. I have now put myself in bondage of the enemy. And now I'm at their control. I'm in their hands. What they want to do to me is all up to them. Why? Because I have chosen to sin. I've chosen to entangle myself in the affairs of this life. So we need to endure in persecution. But secondly, we need to endure in our pursuit. What are we pursuing? Are we pursuing uh, worldly fame, worldly fortune, worldly pleasures? Or are we seeking to please the Lord Jesus Christ? No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please Him who hath chosen you to be a soldier. If you're happy and glad and praising God that you're saved tonight, say amen. Amen. I praise God that He chose me to be a soldier. I praise God that when I was born, yeah, I was born with a sin nature. I was born on the enemy of God. But praise God, He saved my soul. He allows me now to have freedom over sin, victory over sin, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with His great love. He loved me ere I knew Him. And all my love is due Him in victory in Jesus. And I love that song and I think about it. And am I, when I sing that song, am I singing it with a pursuit to, 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 uh, to, to please my friends, to please my family, to please those that are around me, to please my coworkers? No. I, 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 as a soldier of Jesus Christ, need to seek to please the one who called me, the one who sought me. They may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. First John chapter 3, verse number 22 says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. He gives us precious promises. He gives us commandments. He gives us an instruction manual for life. And if we obey it, then we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1 says this, If you then be raised with Christ, if you're saved, seek those things which are above, which Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of this world. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Hey, shed those things. Don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. Focus on the Lord who called you, saved you, bought you, and put you on His team. Endure as a soldier. Secondly, Secondly, strive as an athlete. We're enduring as a soldier. We have a, 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 a commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's giving orders. We need to obey. Secondly, we need to strive as an athlete. Let's read verse number 5 together. I'll, I'll just read it here, verse number 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Strive as an athlete. Strive in your discipline. No athlete, no athlete in the world, no uh, major athlete, think of Tom Brady, you think of Simone Biles, you think of uh, some of the greats, Babe Ruth, whatever, uh, whichever athlete comes to your mind when I say that, woke up one day and just became the best. Now, none of them woke up one day and said, you know what? Tom Brady would just grab a football off the shelf of Walmart and say, you know what, I'm going to be a Super Bowl uh, MVP today. No, it took discipline. It took Tom Brady waking up early in the morning and hitting the gym. It took him watching what he's 
putting in his body. It took him uh, drill and practice and getting chemistry with his team and, and working and, and learning the game, learning the rules. You know what, you and I, if we're going to be all that God has called us to be, may we strive with the disciplines that God has given to us. What are some of these disciplines, Pastor Andrew? What are the things that, that we are to exercise? And what are the things that we are to do? Well, Acts chapter 24, again, Paul uh, is speaking, the Apostle Paul, and he says in verse number 16 of Acts 24, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Herein do I exercise myself to have a, always a conscience Void of offense toward God and toward man. I think of that word conscience. I study that out. You know that a, a conscience has four states. The Bible describes the conscience. Number one, you can have a pure conscience or a good conscience. That's where it starts. It's untainted. It's, it knows right from wrong. And it's able to lead you and help you and guide you. First Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. You don't have to turn here. I'm just going to read some of these. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and out of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. First Timothy 1, chapter 9, or verse 19. Holding faith in a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Uh, a couple chapters later, First Timothy 3, verse number 9. Holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. Second Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I might remember thee in my prayer night and day. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 18. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 16. Having good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, that you may uh, be... They may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Finally, First Peter chapter three, verse number twenty-one: uh, the like figure uh, whereunto every baptism does also also now save us, not the putting away of the filthy of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks a lot about a good. Conscience. I just named uh, probably about uh, seven verses or so about a good or pure conscience. I don't know about you, but I think God wants us to have a good or pure conscience. How about you? Right? We need to have a good, pure conscience. But you know what happens when we start to entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life? We start to see sin. And we, we put it in front of ourselves. The Bible says that our conscience turns to another state. A weak or defiled conscience. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 7 says, Whereby there is none in every man that, that, uh, that knowledge for some with conscience of, uh, of the idol unto this hour eat as uh, the things offered unto idols and their conscience being weak is defiled. A few verses later, uh, But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Titus chapter 1, verse number 15, Under the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unblamed is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. So what happens is, conscience, uh, sin comes into our life and it taints now our conscience. It makes us weak. Much as a structure when uh, maybe a storm or perhaps some kind of uh, blunt force comes across that, 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 that um, structure and maybe weakens it. Maybe hurts it a little bit more. 
It begins to be defiled. It begins to be weaker. It's not as strong. It's not as good. It's not as pure as it once was. But it doesn't stop there. Because when we continue in that sin, our conscience shifts to a third point. It shifts to a third category. And that is a conscience that is evil. A conscience that is evil. It's now no longer just seeing it from day to day and, and, and maybe being, maybe blushing at first sight and saying, wow, why was that there? Wow, why did that come across my way? Why did I, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Now it's a conscience that's seeking after evil things. Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 22 says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We're seeking after it. Now we no longer know right and wrong the way it was supposed to, but now we are seeking after evil things, wicked things, sinful things that we should not have, which brings us to the fourth and final point of the demise of our conscience, is that is a conscience that is seared. A conscience that is seared. It's been weakened, but now that weakness has brought us to a change of mind, which is evil. It has brought us to a, another category. And then finally brings us to a seared conscience. First Timothy, rather, chapter 4, verse number 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And so when you and I dabble with sin so much, it becomes an everyday occurrence. It no longer bugs us. It no longer bothers us. How I many of you have ever burned your hand so bad that for a moment you can't feel the nerve. You don't, it doesn't even phase you. I knew somebody one time, he, he used to work with fire, and he was in the military, and, and he would do a, a number of things with, uh, I believe it was flamethrowers and, and different things like that. And he had seared his hand so bad that it didn't matter if you pinched it, if you put a needle through his, his hand, he didn't feel it at all. It didn't bother him. I would shake his hand, it felt like rubber, you know? Uh, you knew that there was some bone there, but man, it didn't, nothing bothered him. You could twist it back. You could do all different things. It was kind of weird. Uh, but uh, anyway, he had a seared hand. He had a seared, uh, a, a seared feeling to it. It didn't bother him. You know what? You and I, we dabble in sin so much, it no longer bothers us. Become seared. Let us never ha- get to that point. May no Christian in the United States of America, in the entire world, ever get to the point where sin does not bother them. And so we're looking at the conscience. We're looking at what the Apostle Paul is exercising himself to have. A conscience void of offense towards, number one, God. Making sure that we're not sinning before a holy, thrice holy God. That we keep that forefront in our mind. Be holy even as I am holy. We say right with the Lord. We keep short sin accounts. We don't let sin uh, uh, just go by without us confessing and forsaking it. But secondly... Secondly here, not only toward God, but toward man. You see, each and every one of us, we're in a battle together. And you know what? Sometimes we'll harm somebody else. We won't even think what, they're saying, what they think of us. We won't even think about, uh, what, did I hurt them? Did the little uh, uh, jab that I sent them really take them down? You know what they're going through. For, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27 reminds of this. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Hey, if you have aught with somebody around here, if you think somebody has aught with you, hey, we need to get that right. We need to have a conscience void of offense, not just toward God. 
but toward man also. And let me tell you, if your, if your uh, relationships are not right horizontally, they're not going to be right vertically. And you know what? If your relationship vertically is not right, your relationship's horizontally. They go together. It's like a cross. It's got to be right vertically, and it's got to be right horizontally. Look around you right now. Are you in right standing with one another? Everybody in this church? Have you maybe said something that was just a flip comment? And you need to seek forgiveness and get that right? We need to do so. We quote, quote this verse a lot. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. And I believe that to be a promise. A promise that is true. A promise that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Hallelujah for that. But let me tell you, the verses just before that and just after that, or about forgiveness, about getting things right one with another. And so before we say that verse again, and we say, well, we're two or three gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Hey, let's make sure that everything relationally is right. Because if there isn't, if there's something, uh, some kind of ought, some kind of unforgiveness, some kind of uh, 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 disconnect there, then hey, the Lord's not going to be pleased. He's not going to be gathered in the midst. He's not going to be, uh, there's not going to be a good conduit there, a good connection between the Lord if you're not right with one another. So we're looking at the conscience here toward God, toward man, striving our discipline. Let that be a discipline you do every day. Hey, before you pillow your head at night, have I made everything right with every person down here? Have I made everything right with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Have I kept short sin accounts? How many times have I sinned today? Have I confessed and forsaken uh, those sins specifically? That is a discipline we need to have. But strive, not only in discipline, but in your determination. What are you striving for? Let's look at that verse again, verse number 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, what is masteries? Awards. Right? We think of the Olympics, think of the gold medals, the silver, the bronze. We just uh, had the Olympics go by and we have those. The masteries are whenever you do something, whenever you achieve something, hey, that's the reward you get. And so what are we seeking after? What awards are we trying to get? Yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully properly, within the bounds, within the rules, without cheating, while doing everything within the bounds that God has given. So strive with discipline, strive in your determination, that you may see rewards from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul knew what the goal was. I'm going to please God. He's my uh, commander-in-chief. He is the reason I'm in this battle. On the right side, I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to follow Him. And I'm going to be determined, no matter what, this one thing I do, the one thing, reaching forth in those things which are before, uh, forgetting those things which are behind. Some of us have a past, man, that we just can't, it just haunts us day to day. Hey, it's time we, we get that aside because we're not going to be uh, effective if we keep those sins and those weights and those chains about us. We're not going to be as effective for the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the, the judgment seat of Christ and the Bema seat. Now if a man build up this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, 
because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. If any man's works abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so one day you and I are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment. If you're, if you're saved, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you're going there, nothing's ever going to take that away from you. But hey, everything that we've done on this earth, everything that we've strived for, is going to be put in front of us. And if it's like I read, hey, setting our affections on things above and not on things of this world, hey, that'll be like gold, silver, precious stone. But hey, if we sought after our career, and we seek after temporal things, having that great car, and, and, and being known as the most successful person in the world's eyes, and you're seeking after temporal things, hey, that's all going to be gone. And I don't know about you, but hey, I want my rewards to last a long time, forever. And so let's put those things away. Let's strive in our discipline of reading our Bible, praying, seeking God's face, uh, a discipline that we need to have each and every day, but let's stay disciplined to keep our main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. And finally, the last point, I know we're coming to an end here, just have a few more moments left. Point number three, we've looked and we're enduring as a soldier. Number two, we're striving like an athlete. We want to get the reward. We want to lay away the sin and the, the, the stuff that can get us sidetracked. Number three, we need to labor as a farmer. Labor as a farmer. Let's read verse number 6. The husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. So I think about these. I think about these illustrations and these comparisons that Christ is making. We're a soldier. We have somebody we're trying to please. We have a commander-in-chief. We need to follow orders. and We shouldn't get entangled with, with the enemy. We shouldn't be involved in that. And put that away. Hey, you're an athlete. Hey, let's go. Let's run the race that's set before us. And uh, let, let's put away those weights. And let's, uh, let's have some training sessions and some times so where we can grow and be better athletes and, and, and work a little bit harder. But now, hey, we're going to labor as farmers. I grew up uh, just outside uh, uh, Philadelphia for a number of years. And, and, uh, and then uh, once I hit, I believe it was about 7th or 8th grade, I ended up moving closer to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We have Amish country out there, right? And uh, waking up to the smell of, of manure and uh, mushroom soil, that was a common thing. And uh, the Amish would go out there and they would, they would dust the fields and all those things and uh, you, you never missed it. You always woke up and you knew that's, what, that's what's going on. Uh, unmistakable smell. But one thing, uh, I, I never really ever saw them do it. You could smell it. You knew it took place. But I never really saw them. Why is that? Because they were up early in the morning. They were dedicated. And they knew there was going to be a time of harvest. They knew it was going to be an appropriate time where one day they would be able to glean from the fields and get back some of the reward for their labor. But you know what? They were out early in the morning, in the springtime. And they're preparing. They're tilling up the, the ground. And they're getting the, the fields ready to go. And then they're planting the seed. And then they're fertilizing it and keeping it uh, going. And then finally, they start to see it and uh, start to see growth. And you know what? Sometimes animals will get in there. 
They'd have to stay up late at night, and they'd try to uh, get those animals trapped and, and get them out of there. Why? Because they wanted to see a return in their, in their harvest. And finally, harvest came. Boy, we all benefited from that, some of that sweet corn, some of those nice potatoes, some uh, uh, nice red, round, rich uh, tomatoes. Boy, that was great. We loved that. Uh, that was a, a beautiful thing. And you know what? A lot of us, all of us, we want rewards, but sometimes we don't want to do the work that it takes to get those rewards, right? And so, the Apostle Paul saying, hey, listen, if you want those rewards, if you want to be a first partaker of the fruits, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some dedication. It's going to take you obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to take you being disciplined. And uh, just, like a soul, uh, just like an athlete, working hard. And so, what are some ways... What are some seeds we can sow now that one day we'll see a return on? Well, number one, just real fast, one, two, three. Number one, let's sow in soul winning. Sow in soul winning. You might say, Pastor Andrew, that is so cliche. And we hear that every day. Great Commission Saturday. We got soul winning report, outreach report, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. Can I tell you this? And that's something that's going to last for all of eternity. When you, some of you tonight praying for specific relatives, you know what? There's going to be a day when you don't have to go soul winning anymore. But can I tell you, if you haven't gone soul winning here, that's a return you're not going to be able to, to, to go back on. You're not going to see their face in heaven. You're not going to be able to reap that reward. That's a tough pill to swallow. So why don't we sow now in soul winning? Make Christ's last command our first priority. So that one day we can enjoy the fruits of our labor, the other side of eternity, rest in the, the, the glory of God. But right now, hey, that's something that if you want a great reward, if you want to see something tangible, if you want true joy, you want good fruit that will remain beyond the judgment seat of Christ, hey, let's sow in our soul winning. Let's go out. Let's take some tracks tonight. Let's reach our coworkers. Hey, maybe we're, we're not facing the persecution like we, we should be. I'm not being godly like I should. Maybe I need to be a little more godly. Maybe I need to be like Christ and go everywhere I go uh, preaching the Gospel. And hey, just like we heard about this missionary, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We need more people getting in the battle, getting into the harvest. Uh, they're ripe. They're ready to go. There are people right now, right this very minute, that do not know they're on their way to heaven. And they are pillowing their head as we speak, saying, how can I be saved? How do I know there's a God? So it's our duty to go out, find those people, help them, give them the Gospel. So let's sow in our soul winning. Secondly, let's sow in our service. Let's sow in our service. This is another way in which we can sow some seeds now and reap a return that is beneficial, one that will last for all of eternity. Sow in your service to the Lord. A lot of times we'll get up here and, and we'll talk about some needs, some ministry needs. Right now we have Master's Club and praise the Lord, we got a good number of workers up there right now that are working with our young people and cultivating um, the Gospel in their hearts and giving them Bible stories and telling them to memorize verses. Do you know what? There's so much more that can be done. 
We have visitation on Saturdays. We have mailers. We have uh, other things that we're trying to accomplish and other classes that we want to build. And, and I know Pastor's heart when we spoke on the phone when I was interviewing here, and I said, I said, Pastor, what are some long-term goals that you want to achieve? And he told me some of these goals. And I said, wow, that's great. Uh, we just need more laborers. And, and I remember in the interview process after uh, college, a meeting with pastor after pastor after pastor, and they're saying, hey, come and help us. Come and help us. Come and help us. Our missionary uh, to, to Brazil, a million people. And there's nobody else there. He needs more labors. He needs to spread more truth, more gospel to those around him. So in your service. You know, being in choir. Being in choir. I know, you're saying, Pastor Andrew, of course you're going to promote choir, right? Yeah. Why? Because we're going to have big events like Easter. We're going to have big events like Christmas, like our friend day coming up, Lord willing, in October. And lost folks are going to come in here. And we're going to sing for the glory of God so that their mind, their intellect can be softened so that when the preacher gets up and he delivers the message of the Gospel, they will have already heard truth from our lips rejoicing in the Lord and that they may go rejoicing too in what's taking place. Other things that are taking place. Other points of service. Uh, being a Sunday school teacher, just being somebody that goes out and is willing to make some visits, so in your service. Can I tell you this? If your boss comes to you and says, hey, I need you to work more hours. I need you to do this, that. We just need more people here, more warm bodies that are able to, to accomplish this. A lot of times we don't even think twice. And we say, all right, fine, yeah, I'm there. You got me. I'll be there. But the church says, hey, we're trying to accomplish things for all of eternity. And you know what? Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's the things that last for all of eternity are the first things we're willing to put on, on the table and say, no, I, I can't do that. Somebody calls and said, hey, we need some help in this area. Uh, Saturday, it's my day off. I'm all about rest, trust me. All right? I'm all about rest. But hey, there's a point where, when yeah, we need that rest, but you know what? The only reason we're getting that rest is because we're sacrificing everything that, that is going to bring returns for eternity. And we're keeping the temporal things in their, their number one spot. So let's sow in our service. And finally, let's sow in our giving to the Lord. Sow in our giving to the Lord. That might be a talent. But can I tell you this? It might also be a treasure. And some of you I can tell, Pastor Andrew, this church, all they want is money. All they want is money. Can I tell you this? Walmart wants your money too. But you don't give them a problem about that, right? They put all these groceries out and they promote all these things. They have all these sales. You don't say, how dare Walmart want my money. Right? But Walmart gives you something temporal. Gives you something, and sometimes it's real temporal. Like, it won't even last the end of the day. Alright? But you know what? We get up here and we say, hey, we have a need. Hey, if you can help us in this area. And I believe we got a giving church. I really do. So maybe this, some of you that are givers, man, you know, you could just maybe put me on mute, but don't, don't ever put me on mute, all right? Some of us each, uh, each giving some, and everyone giving more than they ever did before, right? There's always needs, and, and you know what? We, we steward, I, I can say this, we steward our, our money here, as, uh, I, I think, as best as, as any uh, church that I've served in, and uh, I praise the Lord for that. 
And everything that we try to give towards, Pastor mentioned this past Sunday, we give towards poor, and some of you have been able to reap the benefits of maybe a bill uh, where you just weren't able to get those needs, you know, weren't able to meet that. But I can tell you this, probably our biggest expenditure here would be in, in seeing souls come to know Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. And the return, the dividend on that, is far beyond the money in your wallet. It goes far beyond that. The reward that you'll see by giving. The reward that you'll be able uh, to see in the other side of heaven will be far greater than anything else you could use your money for. Listen, I don't don't get a pay raise when you give more. Pastor Lazarne doesn't get a pay raise when we give more. Why? Because we're not in it for us. We're we're, We're giving for the glory of God. So that He can see more souls saved. So that uh, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. That's what we want to see. And so in review, may all of us focus on doing three things this week. Endure as soldiers. Strive as athletes. What's the third one? Labor like farmers. Labor like farmers. It's going to take work, church. But God's called us as Christians to fulfill this work. He wouldn't put on us, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. With God, all things are possible. When we follow His will, when we are dedicated to Him, when we say, Lord, this is what you want me to do, I'm going to follow through with it. Hey, He's going to give you His given ability in spite of our inability. So I hope that was a help to you tonight. It was a help to me in preparing this. And I uh, do pray we'll follow through with these. Let's pray as we... Uh, are dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this evening. Lord, we thank You for the message tonight. I believe it was needful for me, and I hope it was needful for others. Father, I want to be encouragement. I pray that as we leave here, Lord, keep us safe. I know the roads are wet and the storm coming. And, but Lord, uh, may, may just the truth that we heard tonight be worth it. And uh, Lord, may we pillow our heads tonight with good conscience, void of offense towards you and towards others. Praise you. Dismiss us here with a blessing. We ask your name. Amen.